Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, Bud, want to begin the podcast tonight by thanking you for your uh, what you've done over the past week or so. Didn't uh, necessarily mean to run off and hand you uh, the baton for you to solely carry throughout signing day, but was fortunate enough to be able to listen to them from uh, afar and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the products that you put out recently. And uh, British people, I don't think, necessarily scheduled National Signing Day in when they uh, – had the live podcast I was part of, but uh, just great job. Thank you as always, and uh, look forward to uh, doing a little signing day look back show here with you tonight. Yeah, man, I- I'm excited to do it. I-, I know we have some hot topics that people <laughs> people wanted to hear you weigh in on, and uh, maybe go on on a little uh, little patented discussion. Ing- Ingram rant. Uh, maybe maybe later in the show we can get that. Overall class thoughts from you, I, I, I wanted to get. I know I, I kind of shared mine a little bit on the last show, but I, I just – look, we, we know when you go five and seven that, that you're not going to land many plan A's. We know there are too many in this – like too many kids in this class who, in my opinion, are, are not Florida State caliber players, just period. I think they have too many guys who I would consider filler or, you know, like the term jag, right, just a guy. But, man, I do walk away from this thinking if the staff had managed this better in terms of expectations – and in terms of understanding how this season was going, recruiting-wise, that they could have cut bait on some of their plan A's and they could have landed a couple more plan B's as opposed to, in my opinion, what they settled for, which was too many plan C's. I agree overall. One thing that we're fortunate enough is to be able to always be able to lean on a plan A, which is a Louisiana Hot Sauce, fantastic sponsor for us. Three simple ingredients. They uh, do not overcomplicate things and uh, choose to to keep it within the lane that they know. And they uh, give us a fantastic product to be able to talk about. And they're a fantastic sponsor for us. And as always, want to thank them at the beginning of the show. It is a, you know, in my opinion, it's a disappointing class. And I I know the ranking of the class. Thank you, FSU Twitter. Uh, I know where it sits. But recruiting is not necessarily about how many four stars you can stockpile at one position. And, and I say that both uh, while giving them credit for the secondary class, particularly if they're able to keep hold of Nick Cross, who's somebody that we'll talk about. But recruiting is also about filling needs. And uh, you didn't sign a quarterback, which at this point is a point of ad nauseum conversation. But I, I think there's a deeper concern here for me. It's not just that you didn't sign a quarterback. It's some of the operational management that led up throughout the entirety of the class. And I think that positions a little bit of a a microcosm for some things that we can discuss. So there's some nice pieces here. There's some kids that I think are three stars have a chance to have really good careers. Certainly not attacking any of the players that make up the composition of this class. Uh, But I I don't think you're, um, I don't think you're out of line if you voice some concerns with what's going on Florida state football overall. And maybe there's some systematic issues that can be seen uh, symptomatic issues that can be seen in, in this class uh, yet again. So you have needs, you have culture, and you have talent, right? You got to fill your numerical needs. You got to get the culture right. And look, we fully acknowledge that the culture was was pretty effed, right, when, when, when Willie got here. And he has failed to, I think, significantly fix it in some ways. In some ways, it has been fixed some. And in other ways, it's not yet, which I do put on him for not fixing more of it already. And I understand the institutional challenges he has, especially with the inability to just straight out cut kids, because I guarantee you there's some kids on his team that he would straight out cut if he could. But you got you to get the culture right. You got to make sure you get the right kind of guys in there. That was a big message that they preached at the signing day press conference and at the coaches' dinner. Now, that said, 
You got to get talent too. I don't care if you get the culture right. You're going to have the, the the best damn like most Boy Scouty type looking team. You know, everybody's super buttoned up, no no offsides penalties ever, and still lose seven games, right? And that that's an exaggeration. But I think my point stands here. You didn't get enough talent in this class. Some of these players are just not good enough. Period. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying, look, I see these kids for a living. I see them more than everybody else. I, in fact, I probably see them a lot more than some FSU's coaches even because of the recruiting rules. I get to see them more often than they do because they, they're limited by the days that they can go out, and I'm not. I've got 30 off days I, I, I have to take now that you know, like to offset the weekend days I work, dating back from like April through August now coming up. So, yeah, I might be off Twitter a little bit more than normal. And I, in my opinion, some of these kids just are not good enough. It does bring home a point. We're going to talk about this more in the show later on. You can do this for a class and it won't sink you. The, the culture thing. Hey, we feel like we got the right kids. And that's probably the narrative I would pitch too if I struck out on some of my plan A's like they did. But you had better hit it out of the park next year. So I, that, that's just kind of my thing. They did get some players I like. I, I am glad they did not. Like, I actually am glad they didn't take Kamar Bell. And that's not like an anti-Kamar Bell comment. It's a don't take four high school kids or, or five high school kids and have only one of them be a four-star type player in Lucas. Save, save some scholarships. For instance, I love that they took Treshawn Ward as a walk-on so they don't have to burn a scholarship on a guy who's just going to be a pure depth. That, that's that's kind of where I am with this class. I think that's a good uh, kind of macro review of it. Uh, we fair, feel fairly similar. Uh, the Nick Cross issue is something that we'll come back to. Uh, obviously, I, I think I speak for the vast majority of the fan base that if that kid ends up signing with Florida State, he'll instantly be one of a one of many people's personal favorites and we'll wish him all the best and it would be a nice little piece to hold on to. I don't really know that there's a timeline there and uh, it's something that we'll continue to continue to monitor, continue to talk about, but uh, hopefully that works out in a situation where all parties can be comfortable with and there's not, you know, look, man, getting a D1 scholarship to schools like Florida State, Penn State, Maryland, that's a, that's a big deal and uh, hopefully somebody will be able to walk on campus with a a heart that's happy with with where they wanted to go, and uh, just for that own kid's sake, I hope that gets uh, resolved in a in a situation where everybody can feel all right about it. So, moving on to, we'll go and uh, again, this is a Florida State football podcast, so we will get rather rather detail oriented. We don't want to get lost in the details, but let's just talk a little bit about some of the conversation and overarching uh, messages that were made or maybe what were taken away from the signing day period last night or the signing day party rather uh, last night at the uh, classic car museum. That's uh, I think been the, been the host of that thing since uh, 2012 or 2011 at this point. Yeah. Out of the Devo Moore's classic car museum. So there was a lot of talk and I think there was actually more talk on social media than there was in the actual press conference about negativity and, and, I do think this is important to clear up because Taggart mentioned negativity and the need to overcome negativity. And and I think this has kind of been twisted a little bit into, oh, uh, ne- you know, negative feelings by the fans are, are hurting the recruiting efforts, blah, blah, blah. That That's A, not what he said, and B, not what he meant. He was talking about negative recruiting literally by other programs, how they had to overcome that. And importantly, he owned it and he said, that's my fault. You know, I'm I'm the one that you know didn't put the good enough product on the field that caused us to you know, lose momentum and have to overcome things and 
you know, to have some certain kids not sign early and, and we had to sweat it out on them, you know, that type of thing. So on the one hand, I do think it was good for him to own it. And I like that he's honest about stuff like that. For instance, when he talked about his, I have a plan at quarterback thing, and I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I don't exactly want to tell you what that is. I kind of prefer that from a coach as opposed to him just outright lying like some coaches do, assuming that he actually has a plan. But I, I like the part where he says, I don't exactly feel like telling you what that is right now. That I'd rather just have that, you know, as opposed to like making up something. But with this negative thing, I, I do wonder a little bit if, A, I'm not sure it's that big of a deal, but if it is, and, and I kind of doubt it, maybe just, maybe don't mention it at all, you know, um, and just talk about, you know, just just maybe say a more nebulous term, like, you know, we had challenges to overcome and those are, you know, those are my fault as opposed to negativity. Because then, you know, all these people on Twitter, oh my God, people being negative is hurting hurting the team and all this no, it's not. Sorry. It, it, it's it's not. Every fan base in the country deals with this. And when you go five and seven and you look like an absolute cluster several times, you're going to get negativity because it is deserved. People have eyes. I would rather just those comments not be made. I mean, to me, that that almost sounds like a politician telling me that uh, that like you need to vote for the bill so I can tell you what's in it or something like that. Uh, I would particularly after you told people at the first signing period that you're going to sign a high school quarterback and that. Uh, I just I don't need my head coach saying that he's got a plan on a position that they struck you out at. The and he doesn't want to talk to you. Uh, the British Office is one of my favorite things I've ever watched. I, I do I have watched a good amount of the American Office as well. So in the Office, there's there's two uh, there's two main main kind of kind of bits that focus on plan. You have Michael Scott when he gets when he gets invited to the shareholders meeting, right? When, when the company's announced they've gone bankrupt, and before they go back to break for like a little little intermission. He announces that he has a 45-day plan or 45.45-day plan, uh, one, po- one point a day back back to uh, solvency. Uh, and then he comes back on stage he yells because like, the crowd's like super hyped up <laughs> that he's going to reveal this plan in, in like 10 minutes when I get back. And he goes, uh, and we're going carbon neutral, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, great. Uh, but also I, I think the, the other interesting uh, little bit from the office, when they're, they're talking to um, – is it Will Arnett? I think they're interviewing him, and he says he's got a plan to increase their profits like 85%, right? And so they're like, all right. And he's interviewing for a position. And so they're like, well, what's the plan? And he's like, well, I, I can't tell you that. I don't, I don't have the job yet. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and so he goes, all right, how about I give you point C of part two? And they're like, okay. And he's like, color code the copies and collate. <laughs> And they're like, wait, what? You know, um, yeah. So the the plan the, the plan thing was was very much ripe for mocking. But I don't know what else can he say there. Like he can't be like, all right, guys, we are totally screwed. We didn't get a quarterback, and we are not going to be able to do anything about it in the transfer market. I I guess him saying, look, I've got a plan. It's a good plan. Uh, it does sound a little bit like a politician. I agree. Maybe you could have said, look, we 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 will have have another quarterback in here. Come. Uh, Come fall, we're, we're not going to enter the season with just one scholarship quarterback. I guess yep. that's possible to say. It also like just touches off a ton of speculation. I think you make a you make a good point there that there's not a ton of great things to possibly say, and and we don't ever want to get in the place where we're picking apart coaches' words. And I can just say that if Jimbo Fisher had said that comment three years ago, I absolutely would have ripped him, uh, and yes. and it didn't didn't sit well uh, with what I. 
<clears throat> what I saw last night. So, um, but I also think you make a real good point about negativity. Look, that that signing day press conference took part at three o'clock in the morning where I was in the world. I did not get to watch that, but when I woke up and looked at social media, I got the impression that that was about the fans, to which I had a real big problem with, and uh, accurately so. That's not what the message was, and sometimes those can, things can get twisted. Uh, as a side note here, I. Uh, just landed like 30 minutes ago, literally ran right home and am recording. My body feels like it's 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So if some of my uh, analogies or transitions are even more bizarre uh, than they are normally, just know that I'm uh, running on running on an empty take here, but uh, want to get this recorded so we can get it out tomorrow. All right, Ingram, you know that uh, since signing season over, you know what season it is? Well, it was wedding season. Now it's wedding planning season. Yes, it was engagement season. Excuse me. Now it's wedding planning season. It's important to do the planning, right? You, you got to have the planning and make sure you make Metasocial Township or Central part of your wedding reception or engagement party plan. Here's what I'll do right now. If you book an engagement party, wedding reception, which is done through their catering company, catering company engagement brunch, they will have you a weddings and football season are rude, pint glass and shirt ready for each member of your wedding party. That's pretty cool. And Matt did not put a limit here on this email. So, I, I mean, if you have one of those people where where your you know your wife to be picks out like ten bridesmaids, then I'm guessing they're going to have to give you twenty pint glasses, assuming you have you have ten matching groomsmen. So, pretty neat deal there. We've already had a couple listeners pick up on this deal, including one who we read the other week. I hope you all had a great time as well. Have, haven't heard back how it was, but I assume it went great. Uh, and and the family is really, really happy to surprise them about it. For their engagement party so uh, contact matt uh, that is matt at madisonsocial.com that's matt at madisonsocial.com if you'd like to plan your wedding reception or engagement party there at madison social or township but we are really bouncing around a little bit of here there everything don't want to get too buried on this but uh, here we go <laughs> let's do a little bit of what the good lord willing would make this maybe our final deandre francois conversation do you really think it's going to be our final DeAndre Francois conversation? I, I'm willing to bet he pops back up in the news or in like the Instagram highlights or, or, or something. <laughs> well, DeAndre does have a way about Insta uh, about him, but I think that uh, this will probably be our final substantive conversation about DeAndre Francois. Certainly, we may you know make a note that he transferred to this school or that this happened, but uh, I can't see us spending too much time on twelve after uh, after here here tonight. Uh, I did see Matt Baker today put out a, a report that there was a police report uh, that apparently was previously unreported that he had gone and retrieved his car from a tow lot uh, some some time ago, and I I was kind of in awe of that man. Those Tallahassee t- those Tallahassee tow folks do not play. Anybody who's gone to school there has probably uh, either had their car towed or come very close to it at one point or another. So uh, that was interesting. And uh, kind of cool. Uh, what's not cool is domestic violence and uh, the threats of domestic violence. So, not exactly sure what happened there. Possible physical domestic violence, I guess. Possible, don't exactly know. Certainly abusive language, unless you think that's not his voice. Unacceptable abusive language. I don't think Willie Taggart deserves deserves credit for kicking him off the team. I, I think it's just an automatic move, right? I don't think there's too many other options. I, I don't. And, uh, you know, I've, I've made my feelings about DeAndre Francois very well known. And uh, I had no idea that a tape like this existed or anything else like that. I just, you know, he was a guy who 
put himself in some bad situations at times, and people can either people you hang out with for choices that you make. Obviously, the circumstances surprise me, but it doesn't come as a shock that this is kind of a idea uh, as to how DeAndre Francois's time at Florida State came to an end. It just—I felt like it was just never-ending nonsense you had to deal with with the guy, and it's. Look, number one, there's no amount of talent that you should put up with, with, with something like that for. So I, I, don't, I don't want that to come off that way. However, with all the other stuff. Yeah, let's remove like, this issue. But all the other, all the other Instagram, all, stuff, all, all the other stuff. He wasn't that just good. Not that good. Not that good to constantly be doing things that made you be like, what are you doing? Why, why are you the only individual that ever factors into your decisions or, you know, how you go about your own daily operation? Just Not un- a good leader. Not a good teammate. Yeah, I, I and, and and he thought he was amazing, really. And you know, I, I was told over the summer by a, a guy very well connected with the program that one of the issues they were having was basically he had some people around him who were gassing him up and really making him believe that he was going to be a first round draft pick. And basically, if he could have, he would have left after the literally after the twenty seventeen season had he not gotten hurt. Like, thought he was going to go pro first round type thing. That was sort of the feeling. And they're like, dude, you're maybe six foot flat. And you have less than a 50% completion percentage against ranked teams in your career. What the hell? Like, like you're a decent college quarterback. That's it. So, I don't think they're going to miss him. In fact, I think there's a decent chance that, look... Certainly, there are some guys on the team who do like him. At times, we have said, hey, look, he's not he's not well-liked. And I think in totality, a lot of guys do feel he was selfish. There are certainly some guys on the team who really liked him, including some of his best friends or better friends in the team who were no longer there, who were some of the biggest troublemakers on a consistent basis, which did create issues for the coaching staff when your QB, who's supposed to be your leader, is not sufficiently policing the locker room because his buddies are the ones causing the most problems. So I think you might have a little bit of like like the idea of, you know, you, you, you cut the head off and, and, and the snake dies as far as locker room culture, perhaps. I'm not saying it's totally going to get fixed just because you removed DeAndre, but I do think it's a positive step in the right direction for the program. Now, here's something for you, though. All this free 12 stuff from some of the players. What, what do you make of this? I think there's a lot of things going on here. I, I will tell you a anecdotal thing that I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed about in retrospect, but uh, it's... Something that happened when I was 18 years old. So, like, when I was 18, uh, you had these things. Not that when I was 18 it was special. A lot of people had them. But you had this last will and testament when you graduated from high school. I voiced support for an individual uh, at my high school that was convicted of murdering his mother. Uh, He was, like, thrown in jail and stuff like that. I was dumb. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing or why I did that at the time. But... I think you make stupid decisions all the time in life, particularly when you're younger and kind of in that area of time. And people, whenever they feel like an individual is being done, whether it be by like a woman or the system or whatever else, kind of probably put things out there before they give some consideration as to the message that they're really sending. I, I think you hit it on the head, man. There is a – I think some of these guys uh, tweeting free 12 – First of all, he is free now, by the way. He's, he's free to go do whatever he wants or, or, or free to go try to make an NFL team. Maybe a, maybe a, a American Association a football team would be better. Uh, they're, they're starting off their year, and that could be, uh, that could be a, a more likely landing spot for him. There's a, a, 
how do I say this? There's a more common than I think people would like, and then I think a lot of people realize sentiment among players on social media. And this is not just guys at Florida State, but it's you know guys I continue to follow after they go to a lot of different schools because I follow them as recruits. But this idea of like, you know, females literally first of all, calling women females, I feel like it's just not it's it's not a good look. You know, it's a little bit disrespectful to me, I think, just by saying females all the time. But be- there's better idea. than a different word, but uh sure, yeah, right. I agree. I think the connotation is is largely implied and similar. But you know, the idea like like females out out to get me, gotta get one I I, I can trust, you know, to, to be my ride or die, you know, that that type of thing. So when when someone is perceived to have, you know, done something wrong against against a you know football player, uh, which in this case could have happened, but what's not perceived is the words on the tape. That like that's legitimately wrong. Don't do that. That's that's not good. Don't you know you deserve to be kicked off the team for that. I, I think a lot of it's kind of like voicing their support for voicing their support against what they perceive to be someone wrecking someone's career, as opposed to specifically report or support just for DeAndre. Does that make sense? I, I, I hope that came off right. It does. It does absolutely. Yeah, and uh Hey, uh, any guys or uh, girls out there choosing a choosing a good female does matter. I would I would try to associate yourself with the best possible people uh, and and a good male as and well. And a good male, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, you, just, you want to trust me? You you tell me the association you keep. I got a pretty good idea as to where your thoughts, priorities, and and wants are. Uh, and that's unfortunately just a, a lesson in life that people can and and uh, absolutely will at times bring you down if you if you give them a, a continued opportunity to do so so also um, you know strongly here believe that college relationships should be easy very, it's, just, oh, it's, my, it's my opinion but look thousand percent if you are in college especially yeah. if you are a quarterback at florida state <laughs> the options to you as to who you might want to date are really yeah. They're not unlimited, but they're pretty close. They're pretty good. Or if you're and, if you're a sophomore at Sigma Chi, I mean, what sure. you said is a great. Don't get yourself. Um, you got no mortgage. You yeah. got no kids. You, yeah. you, got, you probably don't have people around you. You know, passing away because they're because they're getting old. You, you you don't have a whole lot of that stuff that that that, that are the stressors of more adult life. Yeah, man, that'll, that'll don't come. Waste. Don't get don't get bobbed down in a bunch of mud that is drama on a on a college relationship. That should be. Uh, that should be as fun as you want it to be. I'll put it that way. Don't bring sand to the beach, and 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 don't don't waste your time with with the drama. So yeah, I I totally agree. All right, how do we pivot from that? That's uh, relationship advice from the Nolcast, but uh, just something I kept thinking like, why are you wasting time with this? Like, yeah. Stop. Happens a lot. Um, Happens a lot. More than it should. So, will Florida State pursue a transfer? Uh, yes, I totally believe they will. I checked around today with some sources, and uh, all of my sources feel. Like uh, they will pursue a transfer. Now, the second part of that, Ingram, is who is the transfer? Uh, well, I don't know for sure. I think they will definitely look at Josh Jackson at Virginia Tech. Not sure if he wants to go to a place where he's not 100% guaranteed you know, to be the starter. We'll have to see, potentially. Uh, but I, I think they will kick the tires on him. There's probably a couple more out there. They really need a guy for depth purposes to come in, not necessarily come in to start. I, I think if I had to put money on it, I would say that Blackman would be would be the starter for 2019. Now, here's the other part of this. We know, and I do believe Brendan is reporting on this, that, that Blackman, Brendan Sonoda of 247, that Blackman had filled out the paperwork to go into the transfer portal. 
And that happened almost like almost exactly the same time that DeAndre Francois announced on Instagram that he was coming back, which just, I don't believe it was a coincidence. I think it was 100% related to the fact that people were reporting that Florida State was trying to get Jalen Hurts. And so DeAndre was like, oh, well, you know, I didn't pass my classes, so watch this. I'm, I'm back. Unfinished business. Nonsense. How do you get a transfer in here without having James himself transfer? Because as of right now, he's not in the portal because uh, he, he decided not to go through with it, apparently. I asked a coach this today, not a Florida State coach, but a different coach. I said, how would you handle this? Because I was, I was talking about a recruiting thing. And he said, look, I mean, they're basically running the same offense they ran last year, which is a different coordinator, but but it's mostly the same. If Blackman's really that worried that he's not going to be the starter after going through three semesters of that system versus a kid you bring in in late summer after he graduates in, in April, who's going to come in and just have a couple weeks in and fall camp? then he's not the guy you want running your football team. So don't worry about him. Let him transfer. Yeah. Uh, big supporter of James Blackman uh, overall, but I think that makes a, a very valid point. And at this point, Florida State's got to start operating abs- absent concerns of other quarterbacks' feelings. I mean, if, if James can't look at that depth chart and see you know, the very real need for somebody else to come in and, uh, and at the same point doesn't have the I, – I don't think that would happen at this point. I, I think James is, is here – at this point, if if he's uh, would be scared off potentially by the pursuit of another transfer, then I'm sorry, man. You got as good of a chance as anybody in the country uh, of being a starting quarterback at your particular school, and uh, can't have you leaving because somebody else who may have a modicum of talent maybe maybe headed to Tallahassee at some point in time. All right. Uh, so, listener questions on the quarterback topic before we get some other stuff. How deep are we? We are. Almost 30 minutes. Cool. It's probably a 45 or 50 minute show, I'm guessing. Listener question from Ryan. Ryan says, despite using Louisiana hot sauce regularly, I try to limit my hot takes. However, uh, one position, uh, oh, however, one Blackman injury, as you've noted, could be devastating of our athletes on the team playing other positions. Travis J., DJ Matthews, Gant, Akers, etc. Who would have been the highest rated if uh, if their quarterback was primary position coming, coming out of high school? My guess is that one of these guys will be emergency QB3 if nothing changes. Fair guess. I think Blackman is good enough to win eight or nine games. And if we do that and get Sam's possibly one more signature in the 2020 class, I think we'll be just fine. My biggest fear lies in what happens if Blackman misses any significant period of time. Duh. As always, thanks uh, for the insight and hard work. Well, thanks, Ryan. We appreciate that. Uh, so a couple questions here. Uh, are you worried? <laughs> You're damn right we're worried, man. Yeah. Because until Willie Tackett gets quarterback in here, he's over. Uh, so that's concerning, although I do think he'll get one. I mean, maybe I'm a crazy person, but I, I don't think he's going to go for three. Who would be the best-rated quarterback? All right, so DJ Matthews has the biggest arm out of these kids, I'm pretty sure. I've actually seen him throw a ball into the second deck at the Alamo Dome at the Army All-American practice, and I don't think the other two could do that. But he's also tiny. So I think the answer is either Travis J or, or Cam Akers. Yeah, I think it's Cam personally, uh, although Travis J is a fantastic athlete. But – I kind of want my fantastic athlete to play in the secondary, uh, all things considered. You think he'd been rated higher then, or, or you think he's more likely to play this year? Travis Jay? No, no, I'm saying like, – well, you said you'd rather have him in the secondary. Are you saying that you you think he's more likely to be the, 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 like the emergency QB3, or are you saying that, that you'd rather have him be it? Uh, I would rather have that be Acres, and I don't want us to get into a pattern, although there's not too many great solutions here. I don't want us to get into a pattern where we start robbing positions because we haven't addressed the quarterback position. I also think Acres has a 
you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, you've seen high school kids more than I have. I've seen a decent amount of Jay's tape and think he's a fantastic player. Maybe the maybe the best player in this class uh, in time. But uh, I think Akers is running offense in college or in high school rather. And I, I still to this day and am exceptionally confident about it that had uh, the initial installation of the wild cam not been such a cluster F that that would have been something that you would have seen a significant amount more of had uh, had the situation not played out the way that it did against Virginia Tech the first time it was deployed. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I do th- I do wonder, though, because it's Cam's money year, if Cam would, would say, like, hey, I'd really kind of prefer to, to be running back. Um, you know, Jay, I, I think they're close physical ability-wise. I mean, maybe a little bit different skill set, clearly, but uh, – it's nice to have options, although you did say that there, there's no there's no real good solution to this. I think the solution, I, I think it's uh, recruit a quarterback. That would be nice. That would be very nice. Hey, look, I'm not all that disappointed, and, and I'm not taking a shot at a kid, but the fact that uh, Lance DeJandre didn't sign with Florida State yesterday is a disappointing thing and uh, puts you in a bad situation. That individual kid's not going to keep me up at night, the fact that he chose to go play college ball at uh, College Park, Maryland. What is exceptionally disconcerting to me is the quarterback situation overall, how it was handled, and, uh, uh, you know, Willie Taggart and his staff certainly know more about college football than I do, and I I try to be very um, cognizant of that and not hypercritical of people, but... But if you and I are calling each other in August saying, hey, look, Walt Bell wants to be head coach and every offense coordinator wants to be head coach. Walt Bell wants to be a head coach to the extent that he may take jobs that you would never consider like a, it's not a logistical career stepping stone, right? That if that's out there, then you, you can't – and I understand all the all – the, um, kind of pieces that fell into Bell monopolizing that recruiting, being that it was the position, being that it was the relationship, being that it was the state. But you can't have that happen if you know this is your your you know your main quarterback project or quarterback target. And more embarrassingly so, with the way that situation played out, you had a crack at uh, at Fields, who was never going to come here. Uh, Hertz was somebody that they put effort in, but that was going to be a tough sell. Two kids, nonetheless, that maybe you could have uh, maybe you could have hit on. But man, you lost to Maryland after they offered the kid what thirteen days ago or something like that. That there, there's a there's an underlying issue here that's not just one kid deciding to go somewhere else. Is that weird to you, by the way? Very the the, the, Mar- the Maryland thing. Like I I still don't know really the full story on that. I'm not trying to make excuses, but that does feel it feels strange to me. Yeah, like what happened there? You know, like it, it makes a lot more sense if you lose a kid to actually a good program. When when you lose a kid to Maryland, you're like, what do they do? Like, did they promise him that they'd get him eligible? Like, like what 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 could possibly be be the attraction here? I mean, I, I understand. I, I I know you caught the last show when we talked about the you know, potential. You know, did Jeff Sims did that potentially scare him off? Because if so, probably a pretty good read by Lance. You know, I, I think Jeff's a better prospect and uh, would would likely overtake him fairly quickly. Probably, but I can't. I mean, you can't Did tell me that. It? No, I, and I certainly hope not. You can't tell me that you lost a kid at quarterback because of depth concerns, because of a 2020 kid. That no, look at that freaking depth chart. You can't have a high school junior scare somebody off. Now, obviously, you don't control the way kids take stuff, and maybe in retrospect, that commitment might have been able to wait two weeks, and that would have been nice. But I can't. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think you lost that kid because a 
uh, a three-star, a kid who doesn't have three-star offers, but a three-star quarterback committed to you from a 2020 class? I don't think it does. I will tell you that Tennessee tried to flip a kid from another SEC school. I'm not going to say who this is because I, I, I got the info from his dad. But his dad said, hey, you know, what do you think? And I was like, well, what do you think? Because I don't try to influence, you know, where these kids go to school. And he said, well, I think I think Tennessee is just trying to take my kid for depth because they, they, they basically promised the, the keys to the Kingram to Harrison Bailey, who's the, the highly touted 2020 that uh, that they have there. And I was like, well, I guess that's possible. You know, like I, I, I don't know what to say, but I thought it was very interesting that they were they were not only looking at who the school had just brought in prior, but also who the school was was planning to bring in afterwards. So it's not. I agree with you. I don't think that's probably that's probably not the reason. I just there's not a reason to me that really makes a whole lot of sense. So in my mind, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, did you really just get out recruited by Maryland? Because that seems unlikely. I, I I don't know what to think about that one. Uh, we'll move to our next question. I join you in, in the confusion there and thought you did a good job describing that uh, yesterday as well. Uh, David writes, it sounds like he gets new, he gets virtually no credit for being a quarterback. Wasn't he a three-star? Was he that bad of a prospect? Inquiring minds want to know. Who's oh, this is, uh, this is about, uh, Nolan McDonald, the, uh, the, uh, the, the walk-on. The walk-on. Yep. I, I, this is my fault. Uh, my copy-paste skills tonight apparently were lacking. I cut off the first part of this question. This is about Nolan McDonald. He was a three-star, yeah. He was not, quote-unquote, that bad of a prospect. He had legitimate college offers, D1 offers. Uh, the only reason why he's actually at Florida State, as opposed to taking one of those offers, is because his brother, Cam McDonald, uh, is also at Florida State, FSU's tight end, who redshirted last year. I believe he redshirted. So, yes, it is fair to say that uh, the idea that – how do I say this? All right, uh, it's fair to say that people are – overreacting to the idea that Florida State has like one college court or one scholarship quarterback and nobody else from the perspective of that. Yes, your, your walk-on is more of a scholarship quality player, although maybe not an FSU quality scholarship player, which I think is an important caveat. Yes. He's probably a fine emergency quarterback, but when I think emergency quarterback, I think QB three, not QB two. So I don't think you're overreacting. If you think that having Nolan McDonald as your QB two is a bad thing because I think it is. I'm not taking a shot at David here. I appreciate the question, but uh, this is this is Florida freaking state. Yeah. Do not talk to me about a walk on assuaging my concerns because we didn't sign a scholarship quarterback. All right. Again, it's one of the more <clears throat> glamour positions in all of college football. This fan base is not going to take the fact that you had a had a walk on who's a little bit more acclaimed than another walk on. That's uh, just not. The way that that's uh, that's going to float for this fan base, I agree. See what else we have here. Oh, uh, you want to talk a little twenty twenty and how important it's going to be? Twenty twenty, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's going to be a real important one. Uh, I, I did get to listen to your podcast on the way uh, on the flight over today, and I uh, think you made a great point. I mean, it is it is make or break, and it will be a, go a large way in determining. Uh, I, I don't think either of us are saying it's going to be the exclusive thing but uh man this this staff has to start signing difference makers and has to start signing elite prospects uh i want to at some point circle back to the ability of them to do that but 
you got to have it. You got to have it along the line of scrimmages. And you got to have it uh, really across the board. But you have put yourself in some places here where, yes, there's positions of need where numbers haven't been fed, uh, haven't been met. And there's also places where you've taken some numbers, but you haven't really gotten difference makers or elite players. Uh, and the 2020 class is, at this point, going to need to be an exceptionally strong effort. There's no doubt about it. And look, man, the first full class is such an important class for college coaches. The, the coaches who win big, almost without exception, kill it in their first full class. So Saban at LSU, first full class, number two overall. Saban at Bama, first first full class, that was his 2008 class, number one overall. Pretty sure Urban Meyer went uh, second at UF and then I think first or second at Ohio State. Dan Mullen did a nice job in his first full class at, at Florida. If he was a better recruiter, they probably could have done an even better job. It's not lost to me that Georgia is just absolutely killing people. But, hey, Kirby's first full class at, at UGA, pretty damn strong. In fact, that, that class set off a run uh, of what has now seen them at, at Georgia over the last three years. Did you see the stat, by the way? 15 five-stars for Georgia in the last three years. Four for the rest of the SEC East combined. Yeah, Georgia's got some real, some real uh, interesting things going on there. Able to sign all kinds of kids. You got, you got to do it. Your first full class, you, you, you have to be able to do it. Willie did not do it. Now, I will say, there are a couple things here which could be saving graces. I'm not saying they will be saving graces, but I'm saying they could be saving graces. Number one, we have seen that in his first, first full classes at prior stops. He did a great job. He was on pace to sign the number one class in the history of of Oregon, pretty much by far. He did a very nice job in his first full class at USF as well. And you could say all those are different schools, and they are. However, it's still the same point about momentum, about using those relationships. Yeah, he had a bad hand he was dealt this year, partially his own fault, partially not. You can save this thing if if your second full class is awesome. There's a scenario in which, I'm not saying it's the most likely scenario, but it's possible. Hey, this class really does, uh, the the culture that they're claiming that they're bringing in really is that good. You get the locker room fixed around, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Then you bring in a bunch of studs on top of that. It's very possible that could happen. I'm not saying it's the most possible thing in the world, but it's it's quite possible. But if you bring in back-to-back classes that are in this kind of talent range, I'm out. Because I do recruiting for a living, I understand what that means and what it doesn't mean. And what it, what, what it means is that you're not bringing in enough studs. So for me to continue to have faith in Willie Taggart, he's got to do a really nice job with this 2020 class. Because it's still possible he can succeed if he does that. If he doesn't, I, I have a hard time seeing that. Part of that's going to be on showing improvement in the 2019 season. It doesn't mean winning 10 games or 9 games or something like that. But it, you know, showing legitimate improvement, saying, hey, there's a reason 2018 went how it did, you know, and we, we fixed a lot of those things. We're getting better now. So there's some spots, though, that you really do have to do a nice job at. Number one, quarterback. Ingram, uh, it is, in my opinion, they should sign a quarterback. It would be nice. It would be very nice to sign a high school quarterback. Good Lord. Uh, I think they should sign two, actually. You got to get two kids who are cool with competing. And nowadays, quarterbacks pretty much understand that one of them is going to transfer anyway. So you need to go ahead and do that. They're off to a great start with Jeff Sims there. There's no doubt about it. I like him a lot. I think that's a good take, not not only for talent, but also for off-the-field reasons, for recruiting reasons, et cetera. I, I think that's a good move by Florida State. 
running back. They have several top targets they like. We'll see how much those top targets like them, but they do have a heck of a lot of playing time to sell. That's a good thing. Running backs love early playing time. They're used to having the ball all the time. They do not want to sit. So to me, that's that's something that they, they, they could make real progress on this year. They have a ton of playing time to sell at receiver because they only took one or, or maybe even a half this year, depending on how, how you feel about Goolsby. You know, I think it was kind of questionable take, but they, they liked him. They thought he filled a, a, a specific need, I guess. So you're going to have a lot of potential to sell playing time there. I'm not really worried about those spots. You need to do a really good job at getting legitimate offensive tackles who are talented. That's hard to do. A lot of those are Southern white kids. Jimbo's staff struggled to get those kids when they were really talented. Willie's staff does not seem to be able to get traction with them either so far. I know that was an issue getting you know white kids from the South to come to Tallahassee under Jimbo. For whatever reason, and I had multiple coaches on that staff tell me they need to find a way to do that. Willie's staff has to find a way to do that now. Jimbo's staff couldn't do it. A lot of your offensive tackles are Southern white kids. You know, they're, they're, they're those big white dudes. You got to find a way to get them there. Otherwise, you kind of shrink the pool of who you can actually recruit there. So they can do it. They are in decent position for several nice offensive tackles. They are already casting a wide net. In fact, I like their approach this year a whole heck of a lot better than I did last year when they were not casting as wide of a net, I thought. Uh, of course, it's a little bit of hindsight on my part potentially, simply because of how bad the season went and, and how quickly I thought they should have moved on from those plan A's and, and they were a little bit slower you know, to do that. And then defensively, DB knocked it out of the park this year. Absolutely deserve credit for it. That's a great class of DBs. I like every single one of those kids in there a lot. Renardo Green, I, I like, I don't love, but, but I understand why they took him. I think he's a good player. Linebacker, they did a good job this year. They need to do an even better job next year, and they're already on a great pace for it. And then defensive line, uh, I, I'm not in love with what they've taken the last two years of defensive line. I think they got a lot of guys who other schools would call Jags, right? Just a guy. There's some just underwhelming feel, pieces on that. Yeah. I, just guys that, I mean, it's hard for you to project. It, it really leads ceiling for some of these guys. You got too many guys who are sort of floor, you know, high floor type dudes or, or depth type dudes. You need some studs. Got to get them. I don't think they've done a good job of that so far. You got to go out there and get those guys. And I'm not trying to rip any one specific player, but I was having a conversation with a coach who knows I'm a Florida State guy at another elite school. And he was like, why do they take that kid? Why do they take that kid? Like, we, we, that kid can't play for us. He can't play for us. Like, why, why did they hold on to him? You know, that those kind of conversations are being had, not at rivals, but but at, excuse me, not, not at rivals of Florida State, but at other elite programs. So, anyway, uh, it does appear that they are on track, if they can have a decent year, to have a really nice recruiting season and perhaps get this thing back on track. We'll see. I, I, I mean, obviously, I would tell you if I didn't think they were because I don't think this 2019 class is all that good. So, you know, also, I would encourage you, do not get into this nonsense that, oh, stars don't matter simply because the 2015 class turned out to be a colossal bust. Do not fall fall victim to, you know, to small sample size theater that's nonsense. And do not do not do this crap where it's like, oh, you, you can't measure heart. You sound like an Al Golden era Miami fan. We used to make fun of Miami fans regularly for that. And if we got to start making fun of Florida State fans for claiming all this heart and, and character stuff is more important than talent, then I guess we got to do it, man. But uh, that that's that that's cop out stuff that, that is said by fans of teams that don't sign elite players. 
don't don't trick yourself into that mindset. Yeah. It's not true. It, it, it's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and I I know there's some very good three stars in the history of the sport. That's nice. I appreciate you pointing them out to me. It doesn't change the overall uh, look at that thing. And uh, oh, and Ed Reed was not a two star, by the way. I know I know people say he was. Uh, I'm working on something on that. Mm-mm. No. Well, it was a different it was a different day and time too. You know, I mean, you, Miami would be able to sign these kids out of out of South Florida that nobody really knew about, and the you know proliferation of the internet wasn't available, and you didn't get to see everybody's tape. Blah blah blah. Let's not get bogged down on that. He was the defensive player of the in year New Orleans. in New Orleans, yeah. in, in, in yeah. Greater New Orleans. Yeah. In my opinion, if you're the best defensive player in the city of New Orleans, does I don't not, care what year it yeah, was, you probably does, were not a does not, not a, a two star make. I agree there. So anyway, I've been doing a little project on that. All right, man. So Florida State's resolution uh, for the 2020 class is to bring in better talent. They don't know it yet, but I just made that up on the spot, and it just makes sense to me. That's what they should be doing. Your resolution should be to get a a mortgage through Resolution Home Loans. You may not be ready for a mortgage right now. You might need one next week. Who knows? Maybe Maybe your wife decides she wants to move to a different town, and you say, okay, honey, we're going. That's cool, but you need to find financing. Where do you go? Well... Knowles, stick with Knowles. Contact Shannon. We did. It worked out great. More than 15 Knollcast listeners in the last year have also done so. With Resolution Home Loans, they'll get it done for you with their Almost Home program. You could be ready to strike when you do find that nice house. 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or visit FSUHomeLoans.com. It's FSUHomeLoans.com. All right, so uh, now time for the portion of the show where we get to uh, listener questions, I guess. I, I, I kind of monologued that 2020 thing. I, I apologize. Uh, I, I, I feel very similar to you on a lot of that. Uh, I, you know, the, the question will be whether or not they can sign elite prospects, and that's uh, something that we'll continue to look at and, and touch on. The first question here is, thanks for creating a great show. Appreciate it. I'm on a long-term work assignment overseas, and I don't know how I'd have kept up with things without it. Is this staff being misled or misreading recruits? It seems like when this staff misses on recruits, it feels like a blindside rather than feeling like you took your shot, but a kid is more likely than not to choose to go elsewhere. These recruits generally are enjoying their visits and have great things to say about the staff. The staff reportedly feels confident. They're in the driver's seat, and then, boom, they pick Maryland or Texas A&M, or other schools? Are they afraid of being honest with Willie Taggart because they like him so much? Is the staff being out-hustled on the trail? Has the level of full commitment dropped off? Are recruits deliberately lying to the staff? A lot of layers to this question. Is the staff suffering from chronic overconfidence? Is this the nature of the recruiting game that Florida State fans aren't used to being on the end of? Nice question, man. That is a, a, a lot, that's a detailed lot for us question. to pull apart, but a nice question. By the way, Give when he talks about being uh, fully committed... He's talking about dropping bags. Yeah, right? he's um, talking about dropping bags. We can have this conversation. So Let's, we've always been authentic when, with people. When boosters are out on a head coach, the bags don't get dropped. That's one way that boosters can help to influence a, a, a coaching change. I do not believe that's happening right now. Personally, uh, I, I I don't think that uh, you know boosters are in and then they're out as far as dropping bags. I do. You do? Yes. Okay. I do. Well, then. I think uh, I mentioned this a month ago or so uh, when I referenced political capital or, uh, or kind of goodwill. Uh, I think the Florida game was a big damn deal in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, we talk sometimes as a fan base, what's more important between Miami or Florida? I, I know what's more important to meaningful boosters, and, and it's the Florida game. And maybe it's just recency bias. Maybe it's where it lands on the schedule. 
I think that in general, there was a lot of support for this staff. And, and the problem wasn't the record. The problem was the way you looked in that game. A- after the P. Ryan run, you couldn't line up. You couldn't get 11 men on the field. That, those aren't problems that are unique to being injured on the offensive line. And yeah, I think this staff lost some significant support and that the Florida game put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Now, do you think that they initially had the bag droppers lined up? Uh, I mean, look, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never been in the, you know, I'm not in the room. I can't claim to know absolutely. Yeah, I think they had some support, and I think they lost support. Cause I that, do. That's something I've wondered about, how much, how well connected like, they like were. Like when they get turned off or, yeah. Right, it's, did, it's did it get turned off or were there some guys with whom they, they never end up cultivating that relationship? Yeah, I mean, certainly after going five and seven, there'd be some people who are turned off. Um, and there's just there's when you when you coach at Florida State or when you coach at um, when you coach at Barcelona, you can't go out and lay an egg against Real Madrid. If you coach at, at Rangers, you can't do that against Celtic. There's there's all these rivalries, and, and on a smaller scale, Florida State and Florida is one of them. The way that that team performed with as as much was on the line, and again, it wasn't so much the loss; it was the repetitive issues that you just don't expect to see. When you have a good staff, so uh, that in a way is part of. A, I put a tweet out there that some people enjoyed, some people didn't yesterday, about the fact that when you're a liability on Saturday, it can cancel out how good of a recruiter you are, and um, things didn't get fixed this year. And in a, and to an extent, I think it impacted how well Florida State was able to close with kids. So it's interesting to me. I I do wonder certainly some of these kids who were surprises just going over some of these names. I don't know that these kids are necessarily the type of kids who I ID like that necessarily, but it's I can't rule it out. You know, uh, I think that's one of the beauties of the show that we have we have different sources, and that's if we had the same sources, it would be a lame show. So, okay, could could some of these boosters be less committed? Yeah, sure. Now, I will tell you one of the counters I just thought about to this was because they just had to pony up money for Kendall Bryles. In some ways, I do kind of have a, a wonder, like, would these guys actually pony that up? And then not back it up with with trying to help them get the players that they need to succeed. I, I think that's a good point, uh, and certainly there there are you know finite resources exist. I wonder right now if the level of commitment there is 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 present from the right for guys. this pro for this program to sign an elite offensive tackle or an elite defensive tackle. I'll put it that way. Those don't come cheap. No, they are the most expensive players. You, you've got to drop the big bags if you want to get those guys. There's no doubt. You, you don't you don't pull studs out of, out of uh, out of other cities, especially across state lines, without paying for it. So, are these recruits generally enjoying their visits? Have a great time. Uh, are they are they afraid or, or not wanting to let Willie Taggart down, uh, or, or they feel like they have too good of a connection with him to say no early on? I think that's certainly possible. Every I think every, some of that every kid who visits Absolutely. comes away and they're they're loving it. So, yeah, I think that's definitely potentially possible. Uh, are they deliberately lying to the staff? I would say that's unlikely in. Almost all of these listed cases, maybe one, but I can't prove it, so I'm not going to say. Uh, if you heard the list, you probably understand who mm-hmm. I'm talking I know about. You're talking about is the staff suffering from chronic overconfidence? Well, I guess I guess the answer has to be yes, but it may not be unjustified as far as the feedback they get. Right? They may just need to- they are. I, I think they are, yeah. And I think it's when you're a real good salesperson, you think you can sell everything. And they've been and the best recruiter in their conference pretty much at every single stop they've ever been at. Like, not recruiting well is really new to them, you know? Let me clarify something real quickly. The comment I just made had nothing to do with 
Lance, uh, Foster at A&M, or the, that's not, like, of those three kids, that, that's not what I was talking about as far as uh, off-the-record support. I'm talking about other people that you may not have been able to gain traction in in the class. Sure. I, I totally understand what you're talking about there, uh, and especially uh, after we talked about those positions, I'm definitely uh, racking my brain and thinking, yeah, I, I think we're very much on the same page there. Uh, has that dropped off? Potentially, we just, we just talked about that. Is it the nature of the recruiting game that if fans just aren't, aren't used to be on the losing end of it? Well, yeah, certainly. Um, and this is the worst class on paper in a decade. So remember when people got really mad when we said that? And then it, yeah, and, I do remember. And then it actually got worse since the early signing period. So, yeah, uh, facts over feelings. Sorry, y'all. Uh, next question. Can you offer an update on the offensive line coach situation with, with, with Fry and or Clements? I expect something to happen, but it seems uh, intentional that Clements was not brought on before National Signing Day, either due to the buyout situation starting to seem like a red herring, according to this questioner, uh, or to not rock the boat with a few offensive line recruits that she was after, or something else. No, I definitely think that Houston is still trying to get, get Florida State to buy him out. That's why he's still on staff, I think. I'll uh, I'll defer to you on this. I, I haven't necessarily had my ear to the ground on this topic over the last 10 days or so, and you, you've got a better touch to it. And Unless something has changed there, which I don't think it has – I had a really good Houston source on this tell me, like, this is exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And Houston knows it, and who will blink first. At this point, you know, I guess we'll see who wants their coach in more for spring, unless somebody decides not to go through with it. Okay. Uh, Gary asks, first, I'd like to thank you for introducing my family to Louisiana hot sauce. The flavor's great, and the heat is not too much for the kids. I dab a little more on mine, he says. Also love the podcast and rated five stars for the third time today. That said, will somebody please talk me off the ledge? We're one and a half classes in for Willie Taggart, and I see a ton of three stars with some talented prospects mixed in. These guys uh, might be great for flipping the locker room, but not for winning games. And no quarterbacks in two years is inexcusable. For all of Jimbo's faults, he never had a class with no quarterbacks. Pretty sure that's true. I'm more concerned with the program health than AP rankings, but this quote-unquote reloading project looks more like a five-year rebuild to a top 15 level. I don't see any way Willie Taggart survives long enough uh, to see that through, and I fear what could happen to the program if he's fired mid-rebuild. I know you guys are eternal optimists, he says. Ooh, man, not according to some iTunes rankings, Gary. Not not according uh, to some of those. Comments on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts? Thanks, guys. So, all right, the first question here is, can we talk them off the ledge? Uh, no, only results can, right? As you take in more information. Have you ever heard the idea, you know, strong opinions held weekly? Yes. Look, look at the existing data. Form an opinion off it. Re- rely on track record. As that track record changes, if it does, be willing to change your opinion. Yes, my opinion of Willie Taggart right now is less than it was a year ago. There's no doubt about it. I don't think even I had an unjustified opinion at the time. I think it would be unjustified not to change your opinion some. Yes, I don't think he'll get five years to rebuild this program back to a top 15 level. Uh, but then again, if you needed to make a move several years from now, the, the buyout would be at, at you know, such a point to where you could likely afford it. So and you could reset the cycle. So I, I, I'm i not as worried as Gary is personally here, uh, but I, I totally understand why he's worried. I get you, Gary. I do as well, certainly. Uh, next question. Boys, I'm sensing a pattern. Recruiting strong on the defensive side and whiffing on the offensive side. Have the makings of a must-champ-esque squad. With Blackman the only quarterback scholarship now, how do you project Florida State's recruiting at the position in 20? Will it be better because of the playing time pitch or worse because of the bad perception of the program? Also, do you think Jimbo's loyalty to a fault led to the issues on offensive line during the 18 class? 
or during the 18 year, uh, 18 season, excuse me. In other words, should he have fired Trickett well before his departure? Everyone spoke highly of him, but the fall off is inexplicable. I get the lost year of development, injuries, misevaluation, but come on, guys, this whole thing is starting to go in the wrong direction. Okay, so while I couldn't offer Gary as much positivity, I I, uh, I, I can give you some positivity here. The positions that Florida State recruited lightly this year, as far as numbers wise, with the exception of quarterback, it's an important exception, but it is an exception to this list. Those are all positions where early playing time is really important and where experience is not quite as important simply because you you do not need either A, as much time in the system like you do with quarterback, or B, advanced physical maturity in order to be a good player. Freshman running backs and young receivers do succeed all the time, especially in an offense like this. I am not worried about the, the lighter side of, of the ball on those positions. In fact, Florida State pretty much exactly hit the right number of offensive linemen who I said they should take this year. And I think we I think we, we agreed on that number, or maybe we were, we were one-off, but I, I think we were pretty much in agreement on what they should do. We can say they didn't get enough talent on that side of the ball on the offensive line, which I agree. Uh, it is better now than it was last year, certainly. And, and they're they're still in the market for another, another graduate transfer on the offensive line. Do you think that Jimbo's loyalty to a fault led to the issues on the offensive line during 18? Should he have fired Trickett? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably like a, a, maybe a year early. They also had some legitimate bad luck there, man, as far as guys just getting hurt and doing and just some, some weird stuff happening. But also, we know that Trickett in some ways was a limiting factor in recruiting. And, uh, you know, that did limit your pool some. Trickett and, and Jimbo, to an extent, I think got too convinced that they could do with the 2013 line that they did. I think they thought they could get athletes and turn them into offensive linemen, uh, that they could get tight ends or defensive tackles or guys that would end up fitting and in, in working out, that they could take kids and mold a line. Sometimes you got to go get a damn offensive tackle. Uh, you know, you got to get a kid that can – they could play that position at a high level. And uh, I, I would, I'm as critical of Jimbo on that as I am Rick Trickett. If we have any Seahawks fans of this podcast, by the way, uh, they're very familiar with this because the Seahawks tried this for about three or four years. And their offensive line basically like made Russell Wilson run around for his life because they, they kept having all these like converted basketball players, defensive linemen on the offensive line. And it just looked like it just looked poor the entire time. So uh, I think that's it for questions, man. We, uh, they missed a long, long show, but. Uh, uh, very much appreciate everybody listening to it. Glad to have you back. It's it's nice to have the podcast partner back to bounce things off and and uh, and have some actual agreements and some disagreements with. It was a lot of fun being over there. I think I got some great ideas for a future podcast live series that we may do and some other things. So I think it'll be a beneficial trip uh, for all involved. And uh, again, hats off to you very much. Took the baton and uh, and ran with it during one of the most important periods of our uh, kind of work calendar. So uh, hats off to you, Mr. Elliott. Uh, thank you, as always, uh, for listeners uh, engaging and supporting the show. And uh, we look forward to uh, recording sometime, maybe in about a week or so, and uh Bring you bring you up to date with uh, where the program stands, and hopefully, be able to tell you that Nick Cross is a member of this class at some point in time as well. So, uh, one last thing here: Anthony Edwards, the uh, the, the popular basketball recruit <laughs> who we spoke about on the last show. I was hoping to just sail right on out without getting into this one. 
F in yeah. Georgia. F in Georgia, uh, man. I mean, mm, okay. Georgia has kind of realized their power, and they're just – Oh, yeah. It, it's almost like they're like, oh, we got a lightsaber, and we're just going to swing this thing oh, all yeah. over the place. We're just going <laughs> – just, 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 just slicing through stuff, and your mom says, take that thing outside, you know. Uh, and, and Georgia's like, nope, just going to just, 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 just hit everything with it, yep. you know. They got um, it. So – First National Bank of Georgia. Uh, but anyway, he canceled his visit to Florida State. Uh, everybody expects him now to sign with uh, with Georgia and uh, hang out close to home for a year before being a lottery pick. And you know, certainly best of luck to the kid. Yeah, good luck to him. All right, guys. Thank you again. We'll talk soon.